The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BJ and Radio, episode number 189, Who Cares? With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice. We're going to get to sort of, um, first of all, we'll get to two sides of the Eagles, uh, both their season this year and forward thinking, uh, you know, in 2021, 2022 and beyond um, the future of the team. We'll look at the negatives. Uh, in this episode, and then we'll touch on some of the positives or reasons for optimism in our next episode. So um, if you're not interested in negative talk, this may not be the episode for you, but listen anyway, because I said so. And we'll we'll also touch on some quick news items. There wasn't a lot that happened over the last week, but uh, the NFL did approve a second alternate helmet, which means the Eagles can eventually wear Kelly Green jerseys slash helmets once again. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Sixers maybe at the end of the episode. But Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy, I'm back from a brief vacation. Felt brief, anyway. I was in Boston, as the listeners might know. I mentioned thank you for all the recommendations that were given. Had a good time. It was fun. But I'm back now, here, ready to dive back into the eagles jimmy who are just it's, it's just buzzing you know there's never been a time in my <laughs> life where the eagles have just been more talked about and uh there's just never been more content written or podcasted about them all jokes aside um i did enjoy our podcast last week before i went away the over unders jimmy those are always fun those results uh, i was checking some of those out in the in the polling on bleeding green nation.com you can check out the website uh, if you missed voting in those. But before we get into everything today, obviously I want to mention that BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Helen Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousHelen.com, use discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best snacks you can get. So, uh, like I mentioned at the top, we'll look we'll, in this episode, we'll take a look at sort of the negatives of the team. I'll focus more on the 2021 season specifically, uh, which makes sense since I just wrote the Eagles dumpster fire piece this whole week, uh, or rather the dumpster fire piece for, piece for the, the entire NFC East. Brandon will look more toward the future. He'll look more ter- toward like long term uh, concerns of the team. Um, and Brandon mentioned we, you know, a lot, not a lot has happened. In fact, like, like I had this dumpster fire series set up. So like Monday Cowboys, Tuesday Giants, uh, Wednesday Washington football team, Thursday, look around the rest of the NFL, Friday Eagles. And then like thereafter, I was planning to do just sort of, oh, here's what I missed throughout the week. Here's like some of the just, you know, quick hitters on news items that I missed throughout the week. And there was nothing. There was like nothing at all. Was, all there was was just the Kelly Green jerseys and that dumb Chris Sims top 40 list, which by the way, didn't even include an eagle. So like there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't even Eagles news there other than that he was left off. So that's kind of like, it's kind of the buzz that the Eagles have going on nationally right now. And uh, sort of the stagnant news uh, cycle that we're currently in. But let's talk about the Eagles Kelly Green jersey real quick before we get into the Eagles concerns both now and going forward um the NFL said that there will be now alternate helmets the Eagles never did the Kelly Green jerseys over the past like they've, they've had like a no two helmet rule uh over the last like half decade plus the Eagles could have theoretically worn the Kelly Green jerseys but only with the midnight green helmet which would have looked dumb as they said uh so they weren't going to do that instead the alternate 
jersey was the was the uh, black jerseys, of course. Uh, but now the NFL says as soon as 2022, they can have that alternate helmet, which means, of course, the Eagles can use the Kelly green jersey or, uh, with the Kelly green helmet. And uh, Brandon, it's funny that uh, as soon as that news came out and people were excited about the Kelly green jerseys coming back, it was then very quickly revealed by Rob Torno of the Philadelphia Inquirer that um, the Eagles have already submitted their alternate jersey for the 2022 season, which will still be the black jerseys. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? Like, maybe there's some kind of logistical thing here that I'm not aware of, whatever. But, like, barring that, like, what are we doing? Like, the Eagles themselves, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the team, has talked about, like, the possibility of bringing mm-hmm. Kelly Green back for you. Like, he himself has been asked and he's talked about it. And the first opportunity they get to do it, it's like they don't even do it in 2022. Like, we have to wait till 2023. Like, this is lame, man. Like, I, I love Kelly Green. I know it's a divisive topic. Some people don't care at all what the jersey color is. That's fine. <laughs> right. It doesn't impact how the team plays necessarily. I don't know. I, I just think the the they look the cool. Kelly Green they they look cool. It's so much fun. Like you can't tell me the Kelly Green doesn't pop. Midnight Green does not pop. It just doesn't. Midnight Green to me. I know they won the Super Bowl at Midnight Green. I get it. But Midnight Green to me, Jimmy, is boring. Like it very much reminds me of the time the color originated like the what like late 90s kind of early 2000s it's like that yeah, yeah, time yeah. period like that's not what that color represents and to me like we're beyond that like we're in the future now jimmy it's like it's about vibrant <laughs> it's about fun and i think kelly green is fun and obviously they're not going to make him the full time i think ever but at the very least we should have them as the alternates and i like the black don't get me it's not even i'm, I'm not the anti-black jersey kind of person i like the blacks but i just don't think they're doing the right thing here yeah, I remember during the 2019 uh, NFL owners meetings, which were in uh, Arizona, I believe, um, you know, Jeffrey Lurie sat down and he talked with like the Eagles media and, you know, he got asked several questions actually about, about the, the Kelly Green jerseys uh, as he did every year at the owners meetings. And he said that they could be, you know, coming back as soon as 20, oh, so I'm sorry, this was the 2018 owners meetings. He said they could be around as soon as like 2020. And then of course, we're now in 2021 and the opportunity arises and he's like, eh, and then, you know, we find out eh, maybe not until 2023 now. <laughs> so like it's for me, it's like such a stupid saga at this point. Like it's, it's like the, the a, a uniform that they'll wear once, maybe mm-hmm. twice during a season is like, has been this like yearly news item that a lot of people yeah. care about. It's just such a stupid saga to me, but I don't know. It's been uh it's been kind of a fun thing to to sort of to sort of cover. And you're right. Like it's it's super lame that the first opportunity they get to have them and they're like, well and and by the way, like so what if they already submitted you know that they're gonna can't you just call the NFL and say, Oh well we're not gonna do black. We're gonna do Kelly Green instead. What is the NFL gonna do? Oh no sorry oh, this form you filled it out as well. You can't uh, you can't change your mind now, you <laughs> like really? Like you can't just say we're gonna do Kelly Green instead. I don't I don't know how that works, but it's all dumb to me. Just wear the Kelly Green. Like just get it over with. People like it. You can make a lot of yeah. money. What's the point? We always say like, is anyone Jimmy, is anyone is- buying the is anyone buying black jerseys anymore because they're black? No. No. And like we always say, Jimmy, what's like one of our mission statements on BGN Radio? Like football is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to like have fun. <laughs> like have more fun. Put more fun into the game. Kelly Green jerseys are fun. People want to have fun. Just have more fun. That's just um. That's all I'm trying to say here. Um, but we should probably get into the the meat of the episode. Into the itself. not fun topic of the Eagles. Um, <laughs> concerns. I want to say. <laughs> I want to. I want to make a distinction. It's not necessarily negative. I mean, it's a negative topic, but like the 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 framing I'm I'm choosing to put here, Jimmy, is reasons for concern. Now, concerns okay. don't always manifest, of course. And obviously, we're going to do the reasons to be excited as well. So th- that will be yes. the other we'll side of this discussion. Yeah. So don't it's not be, just like we're only fo- angry. I, I, I've got my share of angry email this week. Give us a break. We're going to get to the good stuff. I promise. Well, on that topic, you didn't really get a lot about the Eagles, though. That's true. Right? Like, I got no, almost no blowback whatsoever from Eagles fans on the mm. 10 reasons. And two reasons, I think. One, I think that Eagles fans know me a little better than the fans of the other teams around the division, so they understand what this you know series is every year, mostly. Um, and then two, I think they're very down on the Eagles prospects during the 2021 season, so they kind of looked at the points made, and they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, 
no arguments with, with anything there. So I think uh, that, that that's what the reason, you know, the, I think that was the reasoning for not a lot of blowback on that. Whereas I did get a lot of blowback, mostly from Giants fans more than anybody else. Hmm. Uh, but why don't you kick it off? Why don't you give your first long term concern for them? We'll kind of bat it back and forth. You, you'll give sure. I'll, and I'll go short term concern. We'll go back and forth. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, add more context here. The setup you kind of mentioned at the top, like for me, this list isn't just about 2021. Like it normally would be. Like last year, it really was just about like 2020. The top concerns for this, yeah, they're theoretically season. Super Bowl contenders last year. Exactly. Yeah, and this year they're admittedly not. And I, I just so I'm not like only focused on this year. So for example, I'm not going to have cornerback two being like a big right. gaping hole on my list here because that doesn't Whereas really matter to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's fine. And that should be yeah. a concern for this year, but I I'm looking at more than just this year and I can't really be concerned about cornerback two. I mean, it's a long-term concern. Don't get me wrong, but like for as much, like if that position is a disaster this year, that doesn't mean it can't be fixed next off season. So, right. uh, so I'm not like including that. The biggest thing to me, very on brand to me, for me, the number one thing I have here is that, Harry Roseman might be safe, even if it's a bad year. Like, that's one of my long-term concerns. Like, it could be... Oh, he will be, yeah. Oh, I mean, he basically is, right? I mean, because they're yeah. they're not expecting to do that much. I mean, now, I think if they go, like, you know, winless, I think, you know, I don't know, it'd be <laughs> right. safe then. Like, that would be a right. pretty big disaster. Win- and, like, but- all the young players that they drafted over the past couple of years, like, nobody shows anything. Right. Uh, so something like that, you know, barring something like that, but even if it's just kind of some kind of regular-ish, I guess you could kind of term it like bad year, you know, mm. like five wins, six wins-ish, it's that like he's going to be safe even if it's a bad year. Right. Also in this, I want to say like the concern of a false positive, which we've talked about many times before on this podcast, uh, where like the season's kind of not really great, but kind of like, oh, like, you know, they win eight games or something. And people think like how he's good again, only for more bad moves to be right, around the corner. Right. Like that concerns me. I'm very concerned that, um, you know, either this year, like there's just going to be no accountability if things go bad again or things get a little better. And that kind of is just like, oh, well, he turned a corner and now everything's going to be great, but it, but it might not be. And it's impossible to not have concerns about that based on how they got to this place. Or like the Colts and the Dolphins, or like the Eagles are horrible, but the Colts and the Dolphins are also bad, and they wound up getting like a couple good first round picks. Well, he made the moves to get those picks, <laughs> you know. So True. like that's another way too. Anyway, let's lead lead us off. What that was it? Lead, that was lead, lead us off with with, with your first. Oh, that was your fir- that was your first one. Yeah, that was my number one. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. I thought you were talking still about. Setting it up. Confused me. No, <laughs> no that that uh that was the number one. What about you? What's your number one? Well, on your Howie uh, probably staying in charge point, um, you know, the thing that I detailed in the Dumpster Fire series or uh, Eagles piece was that they were horrible um, in three different ways uh, since their Super Bowl run. And that was in the draft, it was in free agency and the restructuring slash resigning of guys already on the roster. Like they missed on all three of those areas. So um, the point that I made in that dumpster fire piece was that you know the guy who orchestrated all that is still in charge and as you mentioned probably will be for the foreseeable future so um anyway uh my my first short-term concern would be the quarterback and um you know i think that jalen hurts is certainly a um a player that has his positives like as Ben Solak mentioned in one of our podcasts, like he's probably the second best running quarterback in the NFL behind only Lamar Jackson. I would agree that he's better than Kyler Murray, for example, like he runs hard, he's fast, he can run some power. Like he was like, you extrapolate, extrapolate his like four plus games or whatever it was uh, during the 2020 season. And he's rushing for like 1100 yards last year. So um, he's got that. He's got the, the intangibles. He's smart. He's got the leadership qualities we saw this week. I'm, I'm sure you saw tweets about like him, you know, leading practices at this offseason, which isn't a big deal. A lot of quarterbacks do that, but good to see a guy like him as a second year guy, um, you know, sort of taking command as the starting quarterback and leader of the team. And he's got um, he's got all those things. Like, and I think you know, mentally he'll get everything out of whatever ability he has. But the problem with him is just general throwing ability. <laughs> like, I think he's his arm strength is fine. Like, it's not a positive. It's not a negative. 
It's adequate for the NFL, so that wouldn't be my concern. But the 52% completion percentage, which, again, isn't the end-all, be-all for quarterback accuracy, when it's that low, pretty good hint that it's uh, it's a big problem. And, you know, when I watched all of his throws uh, during the 2020 season, uh, during the offseason, I watched them. Um, yeah, accuracy was clearly a, a huge problem. Um, there were a lot of throws to be made that he wasn't able to make. A lot of easy throws that, that he should have made, he couldn't make. And then there was that, you know, that top 40 list that we alluded to earlier in the in the podcast from, from Chris Sims, where uh, I, I think he explained uh, leaving Jalen Hurts off completely uh, on some podcast that he's on. And his message was essentially that uh, he missed throws that uh, a decent high school quarterback uh, should have made. So um, that doesn't sound great. And I actually agree with with that analysis. Like, I, I think that there were a lot of easy throws that he that he left on the field. So. You know, he did improve his accuracy uh, throughout college. Like he was very inaccurate early in his college career and he, it got better as, as he went along. So maybe he can have, um, you know, a similar, um, you know, upward trend in the pros. But uh, his accuracy real like he, he doesn't just have to be better accuracy wise. He has to be substantially better or his reign as a NFL starting quarterback is, is going to be a very quick one. Yeah, so my point number two is actually about Hertz. But before I get into that, just talking about the short term of it all. I mean, accuracy obviously an issue when you just look at the numbers. Like we've read, we've I've read here before, like you just said. I mean, also, I mean, it's why he got benched in part, right? Yeah, like not being able to throw the ball well enough for Tua. Like that, that, right, that right. happened. That was a big concern. Um, I also think it's interesting because I've talked about this before. I think Jalen Hurts doesn't lack touch. Like I think he has touch. But I think it's about like repetitive accuracy, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, being able to kind of do it again and again and again, like Carson Wentz didn't always have touch. It's like it's, it's like a different kind of thing. Um, so looking at Jalen Hurts, though, uh, my concern with him, I think the biggest concern with him is that not that he's really bad, because if he's really bad, then it's easy for the Eagles to move on from him mm-hmm. next year. Like, it's an easy call. It's like you don't even think twice because you have these assets um, and you're going to be able to pivot quickly, presumably, with the draft picks and everything. The concern is, or it's not also not a concern if he's really good. If he's really, really good, then you just keep him. Like, pretty simple. Yeah. But, like, I think the most realistic outcome probably <laughs> is that he falls somewhere in the middle. And then you're like, do we keep him? Do we build <laughs> right. around this guy? Right. And I think from the Eagles' perspective, they're not going to be in that so much like i don't worry about them like kind of talking themselves into him because i think they clearly i think they have a high bar to clear they're they've made, already kind of made it clear like they're not all in on Jalen hurts mm-hmm. like he very much has to prove them wrong i almost feel like based on how they feel about him now but where the waters could get muddied jimmy the way i kind of think about it and where the concern comes from is like what if players like really love him you know and they, they kind of already do and like you know and he's kind of okay and it's this gray area and it's like, well, it's not going to be super easy to upgrade from him. So like, I, I kind of, I guess I just worry about him falling somewhere in that range. It almost kind of reminds me of how kind of I felt about Nick Foles, like earlier on in his career, like mm-hmm. I was concerned about the Eagles, like making him their franchise quarterback and committing to a guy like who wasn't going to be good enough to be the franchise starter who had obviously good moments. And then the highest of highs down the road later in his career, his second stint in Philly. But um, yeah, so I kind of just worry about being stuck in that quarterback purgatory with Jalen Hurts. Right, like not like top half of the league, but but significantly improved from what he looked like as a rookie. So like anywhere from like, I don't know, just if we were looking at like league-wide, like anywhere from like 18 to like 25, if he falls in that range, which is realistic. But it's in such an improvement where, like, he leaves no doubt that he's the guy going for. Tommy actually wrote a, something about, like, along those lines where he has to prove that, like, like be, beyond a doubt that, like, he's the guy this season. Uh, so that'll be the challenge for him. Uh, my second short-term concern would be the head coach. And um, uh, John McMullen, I, I was just on, before we recorded this podcast, I was actually on with uh, John McMullen and Jody Mack on their show. And uh, John made a good point that, like, when you look at Doug Peterson when he got hired, he had Jim Schwartz to fall back on, like, Mm -hmm. as as a former, you know, head coach. Well, Nick Sirianni is, he just turned 40. It's his first time being an NFL head coach. And the rest of the staff is, like, super young. Even the defensive coordinator, it's his first time being a defensive coordinator. The special teams coach is his first time being the head special teams coach. You look at the quarterback coach, first time being an NFL quarterback coach. He's also super young. So like it's a very young staff that surrounds like a very green 
uh, head coach. So he doesn't really have like anyone to fall back on. Like the, obviously the, the most tenured uh, guy on the staff is, is you know, Jeff Stalin, who's well, I think like 54 or something like that. Um, beyond him, like there aren't like a lot of guys that have like substantial experience, you know, coaching in the NFL. So, you know, Jeffrey Lurie even alluded to the fact that like, um, he's a project essentially like the Eagles hired a project as a head coach in a similar way that you might draft like a project player in on like, you know, day two or day three of the draft or something like that. Like he, they, they Jeffrey Lurie even said like the coach that we, we hope he'll be or the coach that he can become or will be, or after exactly how he worded it. But like during that initial press conference, after they hired him, like they know that he's not going to be like this great coach right out of the gate. It's going to take some time for him to kind of, um, you know, get his get his feet wet and his sea legs and however you want to put it. Um, so yeah, my concern short term is that he is just way overwhelmed with the and by the way, being a head coach in the NFL, it's not just like calling plays or like leading all leading a locker room. Like the enthusiasm that he has is great and the energy that he brings is great. And maybe some players will respond to that. But there's so much minutiae that the head coaches have to deal with on a day-to-day, like the job is far beyond what I think a lot of people understand about it. And um, to not have someone to, to sort of lean on in that respect is, uh, is a challenge for him. And uh, it could be very overwhelming for him during this first season, especially like you look at their schedule early on, they play like the three most recent Super Bowl participants, uh, all home games. And then they have road games because the Falcons, Cowboys, and I forget who the third game is. But uh, it's a difficult schedule. They have like the easiest schedule on paper in terms of like opponent, like 2020 opponent records. But those first six games are tough. And if they get out to a really bad start, which is certainly more than realistic, uh, it can snowball and the season can become sort of a like a total disaster. And it'll be interesting to see how the head coach responds to that if that's what happens. I think if I'm not mistaken, um, you were talking there about Larry talking about like the coach Nick Sirianni could become. Mm-hmm. He actually said that to Nick Sirianni. Like <laughs> oh, on right, the that's audio right. that's right. The audio released from like Jeffrey Larry's phone call and they call, yeah. Nick Sirianni. <laughs> so like that has even been communicated directly like to him that like, hey, we know like you're not a finished product. You you're one. Uh not a I terrible tack my... to take, by the way. Like, do you know, because maybe you know, maybe that takes some pressure off of him. Uh, I I don't know, maybe. But uh, but your your point is right. Like that, that is interesting that he did say it directly to him. I have the young coaching staff also on my list. I have it phrased as they might just be in over their heads, and obviously mm-hmm. um, that kind of goes to this year. I mean, it goes to this year, but also goes beyond this year. It's right. like how much of a leash do you give them? Right. Like what if what if they're not growing? Like what if like it just like I think sometimes in sports. We look at like first year players, like rookies or whatever, these guys, and like it's it's okay if they're bad. And sometimes it is. It is sometimes they are bad to begin with and they get better. But not always. Sometimes they're bad because they're bad and they don't get better. And it's like a question of how much time are really gonna commit to this guy. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think he's gonna be one and done, especially given the context of their they're setting this up. But then it kind of becomes like how much time are you gonna waste? And maybe it isn't impossible that he could be one and done, as I say that, because Doug Peterson very much was in jeopardy of being one and done. Now it was kind of a different thing at the time, and he wasn't like the guy they wanted to hire, obviously. So it's not saying the same situation, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not impossible. Again, if they go winless or something, again, I don't think it's likely. I put the chances of that happening low. But the point is like this coaching staff could very much be like in over their heads this year. And that might never really rectify. Like they might not grow like the, the, the team wants them to. So that's a big concern. It's just an unproven coaching staff in a lot of ways. That could be a good thing. They could be hungry and they have a lot to prove, but we're looking at it from the concern aspect. So that's where my head is at. On should, it. We, should we go break here and come back? We'll take a break, Jimmy. But before we do, let me tell you about Rights to Sell on Craft Jerky, which is obviously the best place to go to to get snacks. So you should go to rightsellon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off because you won't regret it. Also, wildnaturepet.com, same discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best dog treat. So snacks for yourself at rightsellon.com, snacks for your dogs at wildnaturepet.com, same discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 189, Jimmy, I guess it's my turn? No, it's my turn, because you said uh, long-term head coach and coaching staff. Yeah, but I, I was saying I was agreeing with or you, though. Or were you just piggybacking off of mine? Well, they kind of overlapped, basically, okay. is what happened. Like I had that later on my list. Um, so you can go next if you want. Well, you mentioned at the top that you weren't going to mention cornerback number two. Uh, I'll mention yeah. that here. So sure. <laughs> they still don't have one. Like and yep. and like I'm not even sold that Darius Slay is like a, a legit cornerback one. Like I mean, mm. a little aside here, Jimmy. Let me pull you off the side of that for a second. We talked about this on NFC's mixtape. Most okay. overrated players in the in the entire division, RJ mm-hmm. and I, and I made Darius Slay my pick. So okay. please continue. So uh, I mean, he had one interception last year, and it was in. It wasn't. I actually went back and I looked just to make. I've been saying it was in garbage time. It wasn't totally garbage. It was, they were down. They were down thirteen at the very end of the third. But it had been the last play of the third quarter when uh, he made that interception. So it was still like they could have still won that game. So anyway, legit interception. But it was week seventeen, <laughs> like not seventeen. Excuse me. We it was week sixteen during the season. He got his first interception of the season, and you know, of course, he trailed. Uh, the best receiver on the opposing team all season long. So his assignments were a lot more difficult than anyone else on the team in terms of, uh, in terms of coverage. So you certainly, you know, factor that in. But he got wrecked in a couple of games. Like he got destroyed by DK Metcalf. Devonte Adams sort of had his way with him in that Packers game. Um, and like, he's older, like he's, He's already 30, right? And I think he turns 31 during the season. If I, if I'm not mistaken, um, I think he's so- a January birthday. Okay, right. So, oh, right. So he he'll turn he'll turn thirty one before the season ends. It's so very early in January, like January second or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he's getting older, and you know, cornerbacks tend to not age uh, super gracefully. So, like, we'll see what he is in this season. But um, he's not like the he's not like a star cornerback in my opinion. He's a good starter for sure. Like no question about it. Like you'd be perfectly fine with him being one of your starters, but I don't think he's what the Eagles thought he or hoped he would be when they traded a three and a five uh, for him in addition to giving him, you know, a very lucrative contract. So uh, you have him and then on the other side, who is it? Like who is, who is the CB two? Is it Zach McPherson? Who is a rookie? Is it Craig James? Is it Michael Jaquette? Michael Jaquette was actually getting those first team reps during OTAs. Uh, so, I mean, who is it? Are, are they going to sign somebody? Like, are they going to sign like a Steven Nelson? Uh, I don't think that makes a lot of sense for what this team is right now. Are they going to sign like, you know, we've been saying off all off season that they should, I, I already forgot his name. The, uh, the cornerback that we've been saying they should sign all year. Uh, he's the same or Gary and Conley. Gary and Conley, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, are they going to sign a guy like him? Like, what's going to be the answer that at that second cornerback spot? And then, even if you, even when you do sign a guy at that spot, like they don't have like any legit depth there. Like they have cornerbacks go down every single season. So, if a guy like Slay goes down or whoever wins that CB two job goes down, like who's going to play outside corner? And we saw how disastrous they were last year with Avante Maddox on the outside, and then anyone else that filled in there really struggled. So I think that uh, that cornerback spot is just going to be a continuation of the poor cornerback play that they've gotten for seemingly like the last decade or so. Um, and it's it's not going to be pretty. Well, the one thing I will mention, though, uh, going forward with the cornerback spot is like I put together a post uh, shortly after the draft on what positions were anticipated to be like the strength of the 2022 draft. And it looks like it's going to be an absolutely loaded 
uh, cornerback draft, both on like like you know projected first round guys and guys projected at you know, the, you know things that are changed between now and then, but guys projected in the first round and guys projected like on day two. So uh, if they do keep those picks that they have, uh, those extra first round picks or uh, whatever they're, they're able to do in the draft in terms of the picks they they accumulate, they will have probably a, a lot of different opportunities to, to take a cornerback during, during the 2022 draft. So not really a super long-term concern for me, like it wasn't for you, uh, as you mm-hmm. mentioned early in the, in the, but certainly in the 2021 season, we're looking at another year where, you know, <laughs> good opposing wide receivers torch them. Sure. Absolutely. And it's absolutely a concern this year. It's no question. Like I don't, I, I just didn't have it on my list yep. because in part, cause it's obvious too. It's just, it's like, unspoken to me it's just like yeah, we all know this <laughs> right, like, yeah, it's not a crap, secret yeah. like um but uh like there's anything really interesting to say about like, like <laughs> right yeah they don't have a cornerback too that's a problem like there's really no more analysis that really needs to go on there um so on slay though i talked about how i had him as the most overrated player on defense we did offense defense and then a, a legacy pick i think uh, you might like that jimmy um but anyway uh who so, is your legacy like, pick for the eagles yeah uh, Nick Foles. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into that here. All right. Anyway, you can listen to that podcast if you want the explanation. Um, so it's very unbrand for me. So uh, one of the biggest issues I had, and I, you touched on it a little bit with the Slay thing, was like you didn't just get him to get a good cornerback. It wasn't like, all right, we need a good cornerback. Now we got him. You traded a third, traded a fifth. Which that doesn't seem like the world, but it's two draft picks that are valuable for a team that's been aging and needs more youth. And one of those picks, I think, was eighty-eight. So that's like a decent pick. Yeah, it's yeah, not like yeah. a terrible pick. And then also you gave him it's not just the picks, it's giving him the highest paid cornerback contract at the time of the signing. You gave up a lot of cap space too, dedicated to this guy. And like you don't just get a guy like that to be a good cornerback. You got a guy like that, in my opinion, to right. transform the defense. And he did not do that no, at all. For sure. You look at how the defense was last year, Jimmy. I have the numbers here. So th- let's actually look at 2019, before Darius Slay was on the team. 20th in opponent pass yards per pass attempt. Uh, 15th in pass defense DVOA. These were worse in 2020. They were 22nd in opponent yards per pass attempt. And then 24th in pass defense DVA, DVOA. Now, obviously, there's injuries in there. Uh, the cornerbacks, you know, cornerback two being, you know, Maddox being bad. There's a lot of different factors in there. It's not all of Darius Slade's fault. But, like, the bottom line is he did not come in and transform this defense in any meaningful way. And that's an issue. The one so, thing I will say in his defense is um, I think they got destroyed by number one receivers in 2019. And he did stop the bleeding. Like, as I mentioned, he got killed by TK and, and by Devante. But, uh, aside, you know, th- those games aside, like he did kind of slow the bleeding on those number one receivers, absolutely wrecking that. Like it was every game during the 2019 season. They Like every game, the best receiver on the other team just absolutely destroyed them. So he did help in that regard. But as you I agree with you and your, your point that, um, you know, you, you make that kind of acquisition. Like that's their, that was their biggest acquisition of the, that was the biggest move of the offseason was bringing him in and uh it it, it, of the last two off seasons really i would say it fell short of expectations yeah and uh that's an issue you need again you want a player like that who's going to transform the defense they're not just going to be like a good player they're going to like you know have this big impact on the team that that translates into wins or at least like a really good defense and it just it hasn't happened it's a concern not only for this year but beyond this year because jimmy they restructured him like they're counting on darius slay to be part of their future at least for next year maybe not beyond that but like very much so in 2022. So he was on their schedule release marketing materials over Hertz. (laughs) Yeah. So if he doesn't look good this year, that's a concern. Like that's a big concern. Uh, So anyway, I mean, CB2, obviously the big, I have more concern about CB2 in the short term, obviously that's, but like if we're looking at long-term could be slay. I mean, Um, slot corner too. We can throw that in there as well. Well, I'm not so sure. sure. Vontae Maddox is even a good slot corner. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, but you're forgetting about Josiah Scott. Josiah Scott, too, yes. <laughs> um, my number three thing that I have on my list, I already said four with the coaching staff, so I really only have two left here. Um, and I guess it's more short-term for this season, but uh, I think there's long-term ramifications in that. Like, I like One of my top concerns about this season, Jimmy, is we see Joe Flacco play at all. Like, There's, just, <laughs> there's, no, there's yeah. nothing to gain from that. There's nothing to learn about him as a player. It's not going to be entertaining. He's not a fun, like aesthetically unpleasing player to watch. 
Uh, and then you're going to have to deal with us being insufferable about the Eagles giving him 3.5 million guaranteed as a listener and, and a reader. So that's yeah. like no one wins here if Joe Flacco plays. Like it's it's a I mean maybe his family does that's great whatever you know local angle. But like beyond that, like nothing. There's just nothing to be gained from him playing. And I think it's it's really bad if if he's playing. I mean obviously. Uh, if Hertz goes down for one game and the team has a de- decent record and he has to play one game, then whatever. But if he has to play like more than one game, right? Then just I, yeah, I Jalen can't Hurts even tears his ACL. Like people are gonna yeah. completely, completely check out of the season because I mean, for all for the the faults that we've mentioned about Jalen Hurts, I think that one thing that we can count on with him is that he'll at least be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I think we can probably agree on that, right? Like his running ability alone kind of makes him sort of interesting in in terms of like the way that um uh, Gabe uh, Bounty Bowl sort of puts uh uh puts it into into context is like the Eagles are your favorite television television show for four months of the year, right? So like you kind of want to be entertained by them. <laughs> so like if the quarterback goes down and you're forced to watch Joe Flacco for an extended period of time, like your favorite television show becomes like un- totally unwatchable. Would you rather see Nick Mullins in if it's like Jalen Hurts is out with a long-term injury, he's missing, you know, like 10 games yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly, I don't want to see Nick Mullins either. Like that's, that's not like, sure. Uh, I, I don't want to like have to watch him but either. Over but, Flacco between those two. <laughs> but yes, I'll take yeah. him over. And like watching what Joe Flacco was again, like, like I said earlier, I watched all of uh, Jalen Hurts' snaps from the 2020 season. I also watched all of Joe Flacco snaps. There weren't a lot. There was, you just put, you put, you had four starts. So like, uh, like, I'm not saying like I took on this monumental chore, but it was ugly. Like it, like it was to the point where after the first three games, because he did have like one decent game. I want to say it was against New England. Um, but the first two games that I watched, I'll say, were just absolutely horrid. I'm actually surprised that they put him out there for a third game after those first. Like he was absolutely like just horrible, beyond horrible. Like there was one play where like he ran backwards like 30 yards and got sacked. Like it was crazy. Sort of the, uh, the, the lowlights that he had during those first two games. So like, I almost felt like felt bad, like watching. And then, you know, it, it turned around a little bit for him, but obviously he went zero and four in those four games. But yeah, if he's got to play, then it's, I mean, he's a year older now at this point too. So if, if he's got to play, like it's going to be pretty ugly. There's nothing to gain, even if he plays well. Like, let's let's say somehow he right. plays well and he looks great. Like, right. what is what's the best case scenario? Like, you're probably just ruining your draft position. Like, <laughs> and what does it even mean? Like, if you make the playoffs, you go on a playoff run with him. You're not winning the Super Bowl. I think we can very much at least admit that. But even if he's good and you win like a playoff game with him, so what? Like, what is that accomplishing for the team long term? Like, I don't understand what that's doing. That's only hurting the team. I don't think that's like benefiting them really. You could say maybe some young players are getting playoff experience, but like, I don't know. I think that it does more. Damage damage to the team in the long term if he's like actually good so i just i I, there's no upside not to keep harping on the uh the contract they gave him too but like just the the signing of nick mullins like he's every bit as good a backup as joe flacco in my opinion and we don't know what we don't know what nick mullins got by the way so we do we do came out yeah put it out there It it was like a low guarantee very low amount of guaranteed money but the salary is close to veteran minimum i i assume yeah, it was very low and a okay. very low guarantee. So, like, they could have just gotten him, <laughs> right? Yes. Like, they they, yes. they could have just gotten him and rode with him as their number two. Anyway, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in terms of, uh, like, short-term threat of him having to play <laughs> more than a couple games. And and as Bounty Bowl put it, like, your TV, your favorite TV show becomes unwatchable. And again, I guess so. Yeah, I'm not concerned about, like, having to see him as that like is going to make the team do long-term damage well it could though i guess with the if he plays well anyway enough joe flacco yeah uh let's didn't mean to get off of that side on that tangent <laughs> we, i promise yeah. we didn't have joe flacco on the docket for this <laughs> well i did oh you but, did uh, okay yeah but you didn't anyway am i up now yes you're all turn. right so i guess the other concern that i would have uh offensively would be the offensive line i mean we already saw it last year with all the you know guys in and out of the lineup um you know, Lane Johnson out for a substantial amount of time, Brandon Brooks missing the entire season, um, Jason Kelsey, another year older, but it remains the same this year. Like they got to prove that they can stay healthy. Like Lane Johnson's had that ankle problem for three years now. Like the originally injured that in London in 2018 and it hasn't gotten better yet. So um, 
he actually only allowed like 0.5 sacks last year, according to my tally. So like he still played well, even with dealing with Mm -hmm. that ankle. But if that ankle never gets better, then he's just going to be a player that, you know, is kind of in and out of the lineup whenever he can go and whenever he can't go. So that's not good short term or long term, obviously. Uh, Brandon Brooks admitted uh, a few weeks back that the Eagles indeed tried to trade him this offseason. He suffered three, of course, he, of course, suffered three. Um, you know, major injuries in a 18 month span. Um, he's coming off, of course, the latest uh, Achilles tear uh, to be determined if he can be back to what he was uh, when he was sort of at a, among the best uh, offensive guards in the NFL. Jason Kelsey, as I mentioned, is a year older. Isaac Samalo is just kind of okay as a starter at left guard. And then, you know, at left tackle, you have Jordan Mailata, who had a very promising. 2020 season, but still has his flaws. Like I think he struggles with speed rushers around the edge. Uh, he'll of course be going against Andre Dillard. I think there's some. I think there's some long-term concerns with you know if Andre Dillard wins that training camp battle unmeritoriously. Like if he's given mm-hmm. every benefit of the doubt because he's a former first-round pick, whereas Jordan Mailata was a seventh-round pick, and the powers that be want Dillard to succeed. Uh, desperately, <laughs> you know, it doesn't look as bad, you know, making, uh, making a, not only making a bad first round pick, but trading up to get them. So uh, I think that's something to watch, but, you know, I guess just my, my overall point here is, you know, the offensive line has to prove that they can remain healthy uh, or, you know, at least come, at least be a lot healthier than they were a season ago. And I certainly don't think that's a given. Yeah. I think it's interesting the way people talk about the offensive lines, like they, if healthy, they could be pretty good. And in theory, sure. I mean, there's a, there's a, I could see the uh, path where that happens, but it's just a lot of ifs. Yeah. I mean, even looking at the the depth, like Landon Dickerson, it could be like, oh, well, if they get hurt, we've Landon Dickerson. Yes. Okay. But he gets hurt a lot too. So like, there's a lot of question marks <laughs> right. here. Same thing with, by the uh, way, same thing. Like if, if like Dillard or Mylotta or Lane Johnson go down, well, Jack Driscoll looked good last year. Yeah, well, guess what? Like he had to come out of like yeah. three or four games too. So like he also gets uh-huh. hurt a lot. A lot of, lot of concerns there. I mean, obviously I think even in the worst case scenario, we've seen Jeff Statlin can kind of like make it work somewhat. Yeah. You know, he's going to, it's not going to be like a total, they're not going to be like the worst offensive line in the league. Like that's just not going to happen with like Jeff Statlin here. Like he's going to get enough out of it to like function at some level. Um, so uh, I definitely agree though. It's a concern. And, and while it could be in theory, like the strength of the team, like I just, I don't think that's a given by any means. I think there's a scenario where it does play out, but there's also a bunch where it doesn't. I don't think they're going to be using, what, like 15, 14 combinations in 16 games or, you know, whatever it was last year. Right, I don't think it'll be right. that extreme. But uh, I, I don't think it's, it's – I'd be very surprised if everyone just stays healthy given the age and the injury histories of all these guys. Um, why don't we take another break here, Jimmy, before we head into our final segment. But before we do that, I need to hear from you about Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, back here on BGN Radio 189 for a final segment. Jimmy, I guess I'll get into my final concern. Okay. How many do you have left? I've just been going off of my dumpster fire piece. <laughs> so like okay. I could, yeah. so I could you... kinda I could keep going or not. It doesn't matter. It's fine. I'll give one more after you're done. Okay. So my last thing here, we kind of touched on this at the top, uh, or you did, was like no meaningful development from rookies and second year players. Yeah. And that's fair. like key young players basically. So I have like Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, Travis Fulgham, Derek Barnett, Jordan Ilata, like those kind of guys. Like if we don't see any kind of meaningful, I mean, obviously I'm not looking for meaningful development realistically from all of them. They're not all going to step up and be great. I mean, if they did great, awesome, but like probably not realistic, but I mean, you need some kind of core pieces to emerge from on this team like like building blocks guys you're excited about for the future because like the eagles don't really who have are the those. building blocks let's, let's put it that way like right now who are the building blocks to build around um like the, like and i'll and i'll define that as like like none? This, this guy is going to be here like definitely going to be here three four years from now 
assuming they continue to play the way they're currently playing. Uh, who I can't even who <laughs> Dallas Goddard maybe yeah. Dallas like but he's not signed beyond this year so like well for, forget I don't know. forget contracts for for a minute but like who but who, that matters uh, no I understand it matters but like I'm just we'll make it we'll make it even easier like who are the players uh-huh. that like you want to like that are young talented and you want let's, we'll put it this way you want them here to build around for the next for like the next three four five plus years. Devonte Smith, like yes, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. After that, like I guess Goddard. Um, I can't say Miles Sanders because like he's bad in the passing game last year, and like I don't want to pay a running back big money necessarily. Especially right. if he's not going to give give you much as a pass catcher or enough. So like I can't really even say him if the contract. You know, if I'm considering that, what you about can't you? really say like Derek Barnett. You can no maybe make an argument for Josh Sweat. Mm. But he, like, but yeah, there there are concerns there too. Um. Mylotta, if he, like, I I think maybe, yeah. So there aren't a lot. Like there are there are like there are no there are no like real definitive answers, and they're like the ones that you can kind of come up with are you know you could also like poke holes in them too. Is kind of the point that I think we're making here. Yeah. So they need some more of those core players. They just honestly at the very like basic level they need more top end talent too though. Like and that doesn't I mean that'd be great if it comes from your young players, but like. And you kind of touched on this in your dumpster fire reasons. I, I have, or I saw you have Fletcher Cox's decline down mm-hmm. there. And I think that's kind of like underrated concern coming into the season. Like, obviously, he's not bad. Like, no one's saying that. Um, but he, like, he isn't an elite difference maker anymore. And they're paying him like that for the future. And I, I was looking at, uh, you know, take this for what it's worth, but I was looking at PFF's list of the top 50 players in the NFL, Jimmy. And the Eagles don't even have a single player on there. Yeah, now you course. can, you know, argue yeah. they should or whatever. But like... No, I don't think they should. And you could argue... Well, maybe, could, maybe Fletch. Saying, maybe Fletch. Right. But you could also argue what it's worth. It's PFF. But like still, like, you look at that. And then you look at how the Eagles are only favored to win two games this year. Like, <laughs> I think right. it's very tempting in our heads to sometimes think about like, oh, the Eagles are going to be better this year or whatever. Or... When everyone's kind of like talking bad about the Eagles, Eagles fans like that because it's like they, they, we like being underdogs. You don't want to be in the spot where you're getting all the hype because then you're you're the worried about you're not going to live up to expectations. Yeah. yeah. So like, but I think all this stuff doesn't necessarily mean everyone's right about the team, but it's a very sobering look at like how this team is viewed, and some of it is true. Some of it is rooted in reality. Like there isn't top end talent. There aren't players, young players, to be excited about. So all that pretty concerning. Yeah, for sure. All right, my last uh, one will just be yeah. uh, the wide receiver position for short term. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I, I think, are pretty <laughs> bullish on Devontae Smith. But uh, beyond him, I mean, you have who, – who's your – like, the only definitive starter is Jalen Rager. And is he even deserving of a starting job? Like, I don't know. So, um, nope. wildly disappointing rookie season out of him, obviously. And then um, – to, who like to be determined who the number three receiver will be if they just sort of lock into Greg Ward for no good reason, uh. or if it's Travis Fulgham who had a you know that amazing five game stretch but then completely disappeared thereafter. Uh, you have some young guys that you drafted last year and John Hightower who had a dreadful rookie season by the way, and Quez Watkins who showed a little bit more than uh, Hightower uh, has some promise going forward. But I mean, just look at this wide receiver group and like how many how many teams in the NFL would look at the Eagles receivers and go, yes, I would trade my wide receivers for their wide receivers. Like zero. <laughs> I'd have to take probably a light. If I have to go around the league and look at like, you know, each receiver group, but I can't imagine it's more than like two or three if there are any. So, I mean, that, that remains a concern going, that remains maybe not going forward, but it remains this concern this season. And I think one of the guys that you mentioned that, or not, not that you mentioned, but like on the point that like they have to have a young guy step up, it would be huge. I didn't even mention JJ Arthago Whiteside, by the way, like in the rundown of Eagles receivers, yeah. but it would be huge if like Rager would be one of those guys. Like that would be amazing for this team. If Rager could step up and show something and then they also, you know, kind of get what they expect out of Devontae Smith. Like if those two guys can become like a legit wide receiver tandem, it's huge going forward. But I don't know if it's uh, realistic to think that way or not. I mean, we touched on it on the over under podcast last week, but like the Eagles haven't added a thousand yard receiver since what? Like 2014. It's insane. In in today's NFL, like it's insane. And it'd be even more insane if they don't have one. Like now when you have 17 games, there's an extra game, like get to a thousand, like do it. Um, Yeah. So, you know, 
totally with you there in terms of still being a big question mark and then obviously just the long-term ramifications it's like you, you when is it another one fixed? now do you, do you take another receiver in the first yeah. round again now <laughs> like, well that's it's like when is it ever going to get fixed because yes. it's like under howie it basically has always been an issue for the most part <laughs> other than you know 2017 when they got tory smith and that was good enough and Alshon, you know whatever right and that all worked out but like more often than not like it's been an issue so uh yeah all right jimmy those are all our concerns that we have laid out again we'll get into the positives next week so everyone can look forward to that but before we get into all that next those week, were the negative topic sixers yeah <laughs> yeah now for our final thoughts uh oh yeah we'll end it on a good note with uh your final thoughts yeah, uh, so we'll get into my negative ones now uh jimmy i am not even devastated isn't even the right word i was watching the game in boston uh, game seven, Sixers versus the Hawks. For those mm-hmm. who aren't Sixers fans, sorry, just, you just have to deal with this. But please keep listening because I think it ties into the Eagles. I can tie this in. To were you in a hotel up there, by the way? No, I like Airbnb. Okay. Did you, were you, did you watch it at the B&B or uh, did you? I watched it at a bar. At the bar, okay. I went to a bar. Yeah. And actually, it was funny. There's a guy with a Flyers hat who was also presumably a Sixers <laughs> fan watching the game uh, nearby. I didn't talk to him, but uh, so I saw some other people rooting for the Sixers. Um, like... Just, I mean, I wasn't even devastated because, like, I'm, I was almost happy in a way because, like, I'm just, I'm just done with Ben Simmons, man. I'm just so done. And that, like, that was the, I obviously I wanted them to win. I wasn't rooting against them, but like, I wasn't devastated because I took solace in the fact that this is Ben Simmons' last game as a Philadelphia 76er. I, I just can't do it anymore, Jimmy. It's so insane that you have people standing for this player who refuses to get better. He refuses to get better. He has not gotten better. Since the Sixers have drafted him, he's arguably gotten worse, which is a big issue when your star players don't get any better. And I mean, we all saw the play, you know, where he has an opportunity to freaking dunk it to take the lead or whatever, and he passes it instead. And that's not even new. That's not even like one play you can isolate and like say, oh, that's a small sample. He does that all the time. Like the shot clock will be running down and he'll pass it out for someone else to shoot like a tough shot or he'll just like, so it's so frustrating to me. Like I'm, I'm just so done with it. All these people. Like this is this was so apparent years back too. Basically, what I'm trying to say, I've been out on Ben Simmons since pretty much like the Boston series in his second year. It was his first season that he played, so technically his rookie year. But like, I just saw how Boston played him in the playoffs that year, and like they just played off of him because mm-hmm. like, you can do that when you have a player who doesn't want to shoot or right. be aggressive. Like that's always going to be an issue. That's never not going to be an issue. And I mean, there was hope that he could improve, but he didn't. And now. There are very clear parallels here. I think to Carson Wentz, where Carson Wentz like wasn't getting better at his fatal flaws. Like he was still fumbling. That's still a big issue. Hasn't right, gotten any right. better at that. His accuracy still a big issue. Has not gotten any better with that. And it's the arrogance. The arrogance of both of those players, I think, is like the biggest contributing factor to their downfall. And also why I'm out on them. Like how can I? How can we talk about like fixing this player who doesn't want to be fixed, who doesn't want to work on it, and doesn't want to get better? Like I was out on Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, obviously, before the Eagles traded him, because um, I just I didn't see any kind of reflection that like he needed to get better in ways that like other people thought he needed to get better, not just his own way. And then very much similarly out in Ben Simmons. Was it the playoff series against Washington, or was it the regular season where like he had a bad game or stretch of games, and he he got heat, and then he had a really good game, and then he started like, he was crowing about himself. Yeah, was that was that the I Wizards so. or the or the or was that regular season? Uh, I think it might have been the Wizards series because there was like all that talk after his first game if it was a good game or not. Like, oh, he didn't right, because he, he, he had he had like, a, a bunch, bunch of rebounds. rebounds and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy, yeah. the game is basketball. The main objective <laughs> is to put the ball in the hoop, and he refuses to do. Like, stop making this more complicated. Like, it's that simple. He's not good enough to be a number two on a contending team. He's not justifying his contract at all. You cannot be paying this player who was like a star player, all-star player, like $30 million if he's going to disappear in the playoffs like he did and like he's going to continue <laughs> to do in the future. Please get Dame Lillard somehow. Daryl Morey, I need you to do it. Please do it. Please, please, please. Give the Godfather offer. Do whatever it takes. I can't, I can't, I can't watch the Sixers anymore, Jimmy. If Ben Simmons is on this team, I can't watch them. It's I can't, be, I can't do it. to watch him next year, I agree. We, we all know how it's going to end. We all know the same exact crap is going to happen in the playoffs if he's on the team again next year. There was a game uh, that the Eagles played in 2012 uh, against the Bengals, I think. There was, it was Thursday night football, and it was when their season was like falling apart. They were punting, and 
somebody ran onto the field like really late. Like they only had 10 guys on the field. I want to say it was Clay Harbor. And the Philly fans saw him running onto the field late and they started booing. And then, <laughs> and this is when like Mike Mayock was doing Thursday Night Football. He's like, oh, the Philly fans are not, the, 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 it's, it's, he's, he's like, it's unacceptable. Like they're running, now they're running a guy on the field late. Philly fans are booing. And then they snapped the ball. Uh, I think who it was whoever, I don't know if it was whoever Harbor was blocking or who, so, I don't know, somebody missed their blocking assignment. I think they, it was Marvin McNutt. <laughs> you're right. It was Marvin. That's a great pull. And, uh, uh, they blocked the punt, and then like the whole stadium just booing the crap out of them. But when they blocked that punt, I remember like I wasn't. Um, I don't remember if I was at that game or not. I think I was, but like I laughed loudly. Like like I laughed out loud very loudly after they blocked the punt. Like after they ran somebody on the field late, and then they blocked the punt. Like I laughed hard, and like I hadn't laughed that hard. I don't think at like a moment during a game of like incompetence until like that egregious non-dunk <laughs> during the Sixers mm. game went like he like and the the explanation that he gave after the game too after um uh, who was the defender on that uh well Trey Young was in front of him no but, uh, Gallinari was behind Ga- Ga- yeah Ga- Gallinari was behind him and his explanation was that he was afraid that Gallinari <laughs> was gonna block his shot from behind like come on man like come on. like the explanation was actually worse than the act and like by the way if Trey Trey Young fouls you in that point like I think I think you yeah. already had four fouls. Is that right? And like that would have like yeah. been his fifth and foul. Could have been an N one. Yeah, yeah, right. So like I when when he gave up that dunk. He, by the way, he passed it to the the only other like the the guy closest to him in terms of like inability to put the ball in the basket. And Matisse Thibel, like that's who he passed it to. By the way, it wasn't even like it was Embiid or something like that. And like he just yeah. passed it off to Thibel. And I mean, I laughed loudly. Like just at the incompetence of that moment and uh sure enough like on twitter everyone just boom 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 everyone just killing him and of course after the game you have you know Shaquille O'Neal saying like he had a he had a, like kicked his ass in the locker room after the game <laughs> you have like uh Charles Barkley slamming him too like i mean they, people were just teeing off on and rightfully so i think on on well, the, like people talk about like local like local fans and local media like sort of being a detriment to to players that that play in Philadelphia well yeah you guess what like national people were hammering him on on his game and his yeah. overall play in the playoffs too and Embiid didn't look happy after that. Like, I don't know if you saw the clip, yeah. but like Embiid <laughs> yeah, was, like, was like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you kidding me? Like, what are you doing? So uh, last thing I have on Simmons and kind of tying it back to Wentz, like maybe what I'm saying is not right or too hot of a take, but like, can we stop stating <laughs> loser players? Like, stop. Like, don't just because a player is like a perceived star in a team doesn't mean you have to defend him at all costs. I don't think that's being a fan. Maybe it is for you. And if that's how you want a fan, then – I guess I can't tell you what to do because I'm kind of a hypocrite when, with that when it comes to like Joel Embiid. But like to me, Joel Embiid is like legitimately great. He's like an MVP candidate. Right. Like I feel like I'm, I'm afforded to kind of defend him at all costs. Like Ben Simmons is like borderline all star kind of player who like has a very obvious fatal flaw. Carson Wentz also very obvious like fatal flaws and was like the worst quarterback in the league last year. People are still standing him. Like stop standing really bad players. Like but we the, can do the, better, the, Philly. But the problem is like it's not only that like they're like they have the talent to be awesome. But right. the, but they just can't get it together for whatever. I mean, Carson Wentz and, and Ben Simmons, I think their uh their mentalities are different, but uh are not uh, sort of getting the most out of their talent uh, similarly. So in that vein, like don't just stay in the talent, like stand like, like you have to factor in more than the talent. You have right. to factor in, Are they like, actually the playing well? Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, do they have BLE? And if they have BLE, don't stand them, please, please stop. Like don't defend them at all costs. If you want to defend them, whatever. I mean, again, so I can't tell you to fan. It's up but to my, you. My, I just feel my, like, my thing about Simmons too, sorry to cut you off, but like my thing with Simmons too, is no. like the, the defense of him, it's, it's like, well, you're not smart enough to understand like what he does well. Oh my god! Yeah, this is so. <laughs> I hate this so much. I hate this so much. You, you have to you have to be a genius to understand uh, and the 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 positive qualities of Ben Simmons. Well, you know what? That's the case. That he's probably just not that good. Yes, it's not a galaxy brain thing. Like it's not like I I get this a lot too, Jimmy. Because you know I write about the Eagles, and everyone's oh you're just an Eagles fan. Like this is like a very Eagles fan opinion on Ben Simmons. I'm like I used to write for Liberty Ballers about the Sixers. First of all, I played basketball, not at the NBA, 
not in college, so not some high, super high level. Brandon but like, you know, ball. I play. I have some. I, yeah, I have, I have some understanding <laughs> of the game. Like, it's not like I'm clueless out here. It's not like I'm just being like a hot take person. Like, no, like this is very apparent. All right. Anyway, yeah. So that's my last thing. It's like just don't stay in. Like, if you want to defend the players, when like I just it, it bothers me when we treat like these very flawed players as they're infallible and we can't criticize them. Like, or, like we owe something to them. Like because they're a star player on the you don't owe them everything like it's okay to criticize them and a lot of people who did criticize ben simmons jimmy and then even carson wentz like you know and like look at joe Giulio. like joe Giulio was criticizing carson wentz way before everyone and i didn't always agree with him then and but like you know ultimately the, the he was he ended up being right about him so like it's okay to criticize these star players sometimes you're not always like right on them like a lot of people who criticize ben simmons myself included got so much crap and then you kind of touched on it there like we didn't know any better but like those people were kind of right in the end. So I don't know. I just feel like I feel like there's a lesson to be learned there from Ben Simmons and Carson Wentz is all. Like I, I hope we can kind of take that moving forward. When we maybe see a player in the future who might be flawed and there's like debate and argument about him, like that you might not be hundred percent right in your take about defending him. Like maybe they're they are now the the people are right. Just something to think about. But uh, why don't you end it on a more positive? Well, answer? you say it's a positive note, but it's kind of negative because we're losing them. But Les Bowen and Paul Well, we're, we're celebrating them. Uh, we're, yes, but we are celebrating them. Paul, Les Bowen and Paul Domowicz, uh both formerly of the um, uh, Philadelphia Daily News. And, you know, when they merged, became part of the Philadelphia Inquirer. They both took buyouts uh, a week or two ago. Uh, of course, Les has been on the Eagles beat for a long time. Um Somewhere around the 2000 series, like he covered uh, hockey before then. Um, and then Dom, which of course has been covering the NFL for, I think, 39 years. So he's been around a long time. And um, I think we all sort of have like our Les Bowen stories. Uh, Paul kind of, Damo rather, sort of did his job, um, you know, a little bit more quietly <laughs> than Les did. Uh, but they're both, uh, you know, staples. Uh, of the Eagles beat for at at least two decades, both of them. Uh, so, um, you know, Les had made the decision that this was going to be his final season uh, covering the Eagles. And then when he got the, a buyout offer to be paid to not write about them, he said, okay, thank you. I'll be like Chase Daniel. So uh, as, as he wrote in his, uh, in his farewell speech and uh, Damo took a buyout as well. He's going to start writing books, he said in his farewell. So I'm going to miss both guys. I thought they were, um, you know, like I thought they were both very good at what they like. I'll never be as good of a writer, just a pure writer ever as, as good a writer as Les was. And uh, Damo of course was the Eagles representative for hall of fame voting. There's like one representative per team in the NFL. Plus uh, a few like at law, there's only like 40, 45 or so people that vote for the hall of fame. So he was one of those guys. He was actually the guy who made the presentation to the rest of the voters for Brian Dawkins, uh, inclusion into the Hall of Fame. I think he also did T.O. too. And uh, T.O. also got, or he was, he was at least part of that. And uh, mm-hmm. T.O. got in partly because of uh, Damo's presentation. So, um, yeah, both guys are going to be uh, missed uh, on the Eagles beat. My understanding is the Inquirer will now just have Jeff McLean, E.J. Smith, and uh, the, I forget the guy's name, but they hired a guy from Miami who covered the Dolphins uh, for the Athletic. But uh, farewell, Les, and farewell, Damo. Um, you know, two guys that it's the beat's not going to be the same without them. Like, I'm sure, like Eagles PR is like they're like high fiving. <laughs> I'm just kidding a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but I'm gonna miss less, and I'm gonna miss Damo. Um, you know, really, sure. really good Eagles writers, and um, you know, staples. Like I said, of the Eagles beat for 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 more than two decades. So I just wanted to give them a quick mention on the pod agree with all that i will say from like an eagles fan experience why you should care about that like if you don't really even know who those people are or like don't think that impacts you in any way uh i think you'd be mistaken because i think they very much enriched the eagles coverage experience even if you didn't read their work directly you know i I know i've like used information or whatever from them uh in bgn articles and podcasts over in their perspectives over the years so i feel like it just kind of uh you know enriched the entire eagles fabric coverage fabric whatever you want to call it um so yeah so definitely congrats to them uh, on great careers and looking forward i guess to what they do in retirement i saw les might still write about the eagles from time to time so that'll be that'll be cool um and he'll never so, yeah. quit twitter too so you'll still get his no. uh, opinions there yeah, for sure. he's, he's, uh, yeah so <laughs> uh jimmy 
that was our episode of BGN Radio 189, where we talked about the concerns, and we'll get again get into the positives next week. We have some fun things coming up where we will be talking about the underrated, the most underrated players, Jimmy, in the NFC East on the NFC East mixtape okay. this week with RJ Ochoa and myself. So you can look forward to that. That'll be dropping on Wednesday. We have SB Nation NFL show rolling along, uh, as it always is, even though it's the offseason. So you can always check out that for not just the Eagles, but national content. And we're, Jimmy, as we're recording this, we're less than a month until training camp. Training camp begins July 27th. It is June 28th right now as we're recording this. So very soon, sooner than you think, Eagles training camp will be here. And we'll be doing our daily training camp updates, and that'll be fun. So uh, just you know, bear with us a little bit more while we make it through the dead zone together. And we will be back with actual, real, more exciting Eagles news in not too long. So uh, that does it for this week's episode of BGN Radio, which is sponsored by Righteous Home Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousHome.com. Just get code BGN for 15% off. Follow NaturePet.com. BGN15 for 15% off. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. BGN underscore radio on Twitter for the podcast handle. Check out my work at bleedingyournation.com. Check out Jimmy Kemsky at phillyvoice.com. Jimmy. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.